Hi, and welcome to the Tayshawn's Muscles Podcast, Mock Draft Edition. It is Sunday, June 11th, less than two weeks from the big day in NYC. The uh, finals are still going on. How much longer will they last? Probably not long. And that's why we're getting prepped for next season. I'm Dan Croshaw, your host, moderator. I'm going to be your trade checker, whatever. And I am joined today by three NBA experts who will be helping uh, uh, walk us through the first round of this year's draft. We'll meet them in a second, but first, we are sponsored today by Hermit Storage. When I was a college student, I remember the struggle of finding a place to store my belongings when I left for the summer. I wish Hermit Storage would have been in my college town. Hermit provides pickup storage and return delivery to ease the hassle of student storage. Starting at only $25 a month, they can more than meet your storage needs. Seriously, though, I'm no longer in college, but I have some friends that have used Hermit, and they make it so easy. They drop off some bins, you fill them up with your stuff, call them back, and they'll take it away and store it however long you want. Check them out at hermitstorage.com. Okay, we're back, and now we'll explain how this draft process is going to work. We have three GMs here that will take control of 10 teams each. Uh, that'll be two divisions for each of them. First, let's meet the GM of the Southwest and Atlantic Divisions from South Dakota, Trevor Smith, a.k.a. T.S. T.S., what team are you most excited about controlling in this draft? And keep in mind, you aren't allowed to draft South Dakota greats Nate Wolters or Mike Miller. Uh, thanks, Dan. I'm excited to be on the pod today. Um, I'm actually really excited uh, about controlling Brooklyn Kind of surprising, maybe, but I just think they... Is it because you can't possibly screw them up more than their current situation? That, that might maybe a little part of it, but I, I'm just excited to uh, start turning things in the right direction for Brooklyn today. So, yeah. Great. And now from Utah, picking for the very exciting Pacific and Southeast divisions, we have Cole Gorange. And Cole has also weaseled his way into controlling the Utah, the hometown for him, Utah Jazz. He has actually traded the rights of the Orlando Magic in exchange for controlling the Jazz. Cole, first question, will the Jazz keep Hayward this offseason? And number two, what team are you most excited about controlling? Yeah, so the first answer to the question, um, of course, it's Utah. He's white. We'll, we'll keep him. Seriously? And of course we'll keep Gordon Hayward. I go, oh, my gosh. <laughs> Seriously? You can't look like that. Um, yeah, we're going to keep Gordon Hayward for sure. We got definitely got the flexibility in the team around him. I think we have the best chance to contend. Also, the second, the second answer to the question is... Just like TS's Brooklyn pick, I actually am really excited to work with the Kings, actually. They have a ton of cap space. They have a lot of picks. Um, it should be fun seeing where they go moving forward. Yeah, the uh, boogie trade is for sure looking a little bit more favorable going into this offseason than it was when it was made. Okay, finally from Portland, Oregon, calling in via telephone, the man single-handedly keeping bootleg Chinese NBA jersey stores in business, Rip City diehard Trevor Wohler. <laughs> controlling the Northwest and Central Divisions. And as we said before, he actually traded the Utah Jazz for the Orlando Magic. Uh, Trev, you there? I am here. I just <laughs> want to make a shout-out to All Express if, if they're listening. I'm really disappointed by all the NBA jerseys you've taken down lately, and I'd really appreciate it if you put them back up. It's been, it's been really rough. Yeah. Uh, so, same question to you. What is uh, your team that you're most excited about, maybe that has most flexibility? 
So this might be a little confusing because I'm sure we have thousands of listeners who recognize my voice from my Kings Week podcast. You know, that's where I started my podcast, fame. How many subscribers Um, did that one get to? uh, The Kings Week, we got our highest weekly total was about 251 weeks. So it kind of set the Bay Area and Sacramento on fire. Sure. But it's my actual most excited about is the Portland Trailblazers. I, I bleed red, literally. But I biggest Rip City fan. And honestly, it's the hardest one because I have no idea what to do because we have no money. So it's just, but it's very interesting and intriguing. But they do have the three first rounders this year that they can We play have three with. first Yeah. And we'll but get- I don't know. We'll get to that. All right. So without further ado, let's start off with the number one pick for those of you that have been living under a rock. This pick is actually owned by your Eastern Conference finalist, Boston Celtics. T.S., who are the Celtics targeting with the number one pick? Well, um, unsurprisingly, the Boston Celtics are going to take Marco Fultz from the University of Washington. I thought it was a pretty easy pick, honestly. Fultz just doesn't have any major flaws in his game compared to a lot of the other major prospects. Um, if I was to compare him to someone, I when I watch him, I kind of see a bigger Damian Lillard. A shout out to Trev Wooler over there in the Pacific Northwest. Um, I, I like his ability to pull up off the dribble. Um, I just I think he can fit well next to Isaiah Thomas for now and uh, kind of be the fulcrum of the team in the future. So. T.S., as the GM of the Celtics, as you were preparing for this draft, did you entertain any trade calls for the number one pick, perhaps from Chicago, Indiana? Did you try to package it to New Orleans for a home run deal for Anthony Davis? Did any of these deals come up, or were you pretty set on just going ahead with the selection? Honestly, considering where the Celtics are at right now and how the Eastern Conference Finals went, um, I wasn't too interested in trading for a year of Paul George or a couple of Jimmy Butler just because I still don't think they're going to be able to beat the Cavs next year. So uh, I, I think they should just keep their picks and build for the future when LeBron is finally out of the East. I, uh, I feel like Boston's not going to sign a free agent this summer. I just don't think they're going to be able to handle or, or going to be able to reel one in. So I was really looking. I, I'm a I'm a believer that LeBron is going to move west after his contract up in 2018. So I really think the Celtics window will open up if they trade for Paul George or Jimmy Butler. So I kind of I kind of hoping that they trade it. If they do get that, one of those guys, if they do that, the East is going to be trash. <laughs> what I said, if LeBron if they, moves to the West, the East is going to be awful. I mean, it, it, they already well, don't have anybody. That's what Trev Willer's pointing out there. It'll be Giannis yep. and Embiid finals and Eastern Conference finals for years to come. That's the process. <laughs> <laughs> okay, now moving out west to uh, funny how Celtics and Lakers have the first and second picks. That's not funny. This pick is, of course, heavily rumored to be hometown favorite Lonzo Ball bringing on the entourage. Will that, in fact, be the case? Let's turn to Cole. Cole, what, what's the Lakers front office thinking? The Lakers are going to be drafting Ball with the number two pick. There's, <laughs> there's a few reasons for that. We, we had a little bit of interest moving down, but at this point in time, I think, I don't know if it's I'm drinking the Kool-Aid or what, but I do a little bit want to see the, the Ball, the Russell, the Ingram, Nance, and Randall lineups run a little bit. I think there's a lot of potential there, a lot of floor spacing in, in that sense. The other thing is it'll be interesting watching Ball. He has a few weaknesses, obviously, one of them being 
well, one of his strengths, really, one of his main strengths being that I want to see if it translates to the NBA is his ability to finish at the rim in, the, in college. He shot almost 72% at the rim. I'm a nerd. Like 70 attempts at UCLA. Yeah, he was very selective with his very penetration. True. Very true. And also, I mean, as a lot of us know, that team was extremely well spaced. So it'll be interesting seeing if his long frame will be able to finish over, you know, athletic NBA centers. But but we're going to go with it. I think D'Angelo can play off the ball. Lonzo will be able to play um, with the ball in his hands, create, play make. He's got a high IQ. We are excited to see where that goes, though. Yeah, the point was made uh, on the Dunked On podcast that that the UCLA team that Lonzo played on this past year might actually have better spacing than the Lakers next yeah. season. <laughs> yeah. Hot what, what I what I'm concerned about with Lonzo is if he's supposed to be this point guard that's supposed to transcend the NBA. I just don't even think he is that good of dribbling skills at all. Yeah, he's more, so he's I don't know a straight line driver at this point for sure. A straight line driver, and I just don't see that. Like, I don't see him developing that part of his game. Anyways, I'm really, I'm really uh, gun shy on Lonzo. I'm going to be put on record that I think Lonzo is just going to become another Rajon Rondo. Nothing really to transcend the NBA. What, what stuck out to me as I was watching a lot of tape on him is just how his intelligence really, uh, really shines. Even on both sides of the ball, I knew on offense. I mean, he's. He's gotten a lot of recognition for being a ball mover, for not holding it even a second longer than he needs to in any situation. But off the ball, he was always hunting for steals, always looking for for places to help. I mean, a few times it led to him being lost, but you see some defensive instincts that are kind of rare, which was interesting to me. Any other thoughts on Lonzo going to the Lakers? And and just to add to that, I think, though, I mean, you put put Lonzo in the pick and roll with Randall and things like that. I mean, I think he showed a high acumen and IQ being able to run the pick and roll at UCLA, you know, with relief and some of the other UCLA bigs. Um, he just has a high IQ. He knows how to get people where he wants them and positioning and getting leaning a little bit. And I think he can make it work though. Cole, do you think he's going to be able to guard twos playing next to D'Angelo Russell? How do you see that all working out? Yeah, that's a really good question. I mean, he's pretty skinny. He's going to need a lot of size still. I think obviously all of us, I think relate back to, Watching him try to guard Fox in sure. NCAA yeah. championships, um, not a very good showing for him. So I mean, obviously that's still yet to be yet to be seen. But I think with the size and the length, he should have the potential to, to at least be mo- me- mediocre, average at worst. Oh yeah. I'm just not even convinced the guy will be able to get a shot off at the shooting form in the NBA. So yeah, that's I, for sure the biggest concern. I agree. Yeah. I, I just I feel like he has so many question marks. So I, he's exceptionally talented on what he does, but for a number two pick. I, I feel like there's way more question marks than there should be. But that being said, I I mean, I understand the pick and the risk the Lakers are taking. I'm just... I think that's also why it's important, though, that, I mean, he's not... I don't know if you're going to see Lonzo that often one-on-one trying to break dice down. As long as he stays in the in the playmaking role, I feel like mm-hmm. he can minimize some of that need to create his own shot. We'll see. I mean, he has LeVar on his side, so chances are he'll succeed. Okay, now we are moving on to the number three pick, a team that has a very bright future, the Philadelphia 76ers. What's going on over there, TS? Man, uh, Philly's, Philly's kind of a hard uh, decision, honestly. Like, There's a lot of point guards, or, or there's still a couple point guards available that I think would be a good fit, but I don't think they'd be a good fit next to Ben Simmons, um, if that makes any sense. So what I would do if I'm Philly is I would just take Josh Jackson, who I think is the best player available. I actually like him better than Lonzo Ball. And some people were a little concerned because neither he or Ben Simmons shoot super well. Um, but I kind of see Jackson just being able to come in and, and be a lockdown defender. Um, I just imagine them playing 
four guys that are big and can switch next to Embiid. Um, and so I really like to fit a Jackson there. And I think getting out in transition, running, um, hopefully he'll be able to get the shot mechanics down a little bit. I, and I just like the fit of Jackson. I just think Philly's got to take the b- best player available at this point. Are you concerned at all? He uh, So at Kansas, he played a lot of four. And quickness was one of his greatest attributes. I mean, he has a fantastic motor on both ends. Recent NCAA prospects, Justice Winslow comes to mind. I don't know if you guys could think of any others. Maybe Sam Decker. Although, not that they've totally flopped in the pros, but are his uh, talents in those areas kind of overstated because he was able to go against bigger players? He's, he's what, 6'8", with a 6'9", 6'10", wingspan. So the measurables are, are good, not fantastic. Do you think he'll, as an NBA wing, will he still be quicker than other players? Well, I think the biggest difference with, between Jackson and those guys is that he's such a good ball handler. I mean, Winslow, I I don't see that as part of his game. Same with Decker. Like, maybe, yeah, they could attack something off the dribble. But, I mean, Jackson, he was almost playing the point for um, at Kansas some of the time. And, and I think playing him and Simmons together, I mean, they're going to get out and run in transition. And then when you're in the half court, you're going to be able to get the ball to Embiid. And I think uh, Jackson, uh, catch and shoot, he looked pretty good. I wouldn't be super convinced. I, I guess I don't I don't love everything about his shot, but I think if he's open with Embiid in the post, not very many guys are going to be able to guard him, and he's going to get good open looks, and he's going to be able to knock him down. I kind of see him almost a little bit like an Andre Iguodala. Oh, and, and if he never if he can't ever figure the shot out, it'd be maybe more like MKG, except for not quite as terrible of a shooter as MKG. And I'm, I've been known to have been a big MKG fan coming out of college. So maybe I'm going down the wrong road again, but, um, I, I like, I like the fit a lot better than I would like taking Fox or another, uh, point guard or, uh, the other players available at that point. So interesting. You mentioned Iguodala. We're all, we've been watching the finals and it's easy to project some of these players or speculate on how they would perform on in this Cavs Warriors type of positionless basketball that we're, we're seeing in. I agree that it would. It's easy to to see how Jackson would fit. Who owns? I, the, go ahead, Trev. I I was just gonna say, I was pretty impressed by Jock Jackson's shooting ability in the NCAA tournament, and I watched some of his highlight films, and he has that weird little dip in his shot. But it kind of reminds me of Kawhi Leonard when Kawhi Leonard came out of college. He had this like weird dip, and then after a couple of years, he figured it out. But the foundation is there, and that really reminds me of Josh Jackson, where his jumper doesn't look that horrible, and the foundation's there, and I, I think he's going to become a better shooter than people imagine, and I think he can develop into a shooter around Ben Simmons. And at least, I mean, we all talk about how Ben Simmons can't shoot. At least Josh Jackson's shooting free throws with his correct hand. So, I mean, nothing can be as, as atrocious as Ben Simmons shooting for him. So, I, I think it's a great pick and will work out for him. <laughs> Who owns the Kings? Oh, me. Cole. Cole. Did you offer, did you think about moving up with your 10th and 5th picks to get this number three pick or I I, we're going to be getting to you in a second. Right, right. No, we did think about it. I think at the end of the day though, um, there's a couple of picks we like top 10 and we'd rather have both of them instead of the one. Does that make sense? Yeah. So instead of giving both of them away for Josh Jackson, which we actually do love, like I'm sort of enamored by him too, but looking forward to that. Oh, you're actually up again. Also not with the Kings, but rather with the Suns. So the Suns are in a Good situation here, an interesting situation anyways. So you still have Bledsoe, you still have Knight, right? Mm-hmm. Who Knight, interesting enough, I didn't realize it was this extreme, but the last game he played was on February 13th, which is interesting. Yeah. Um, 
you wonder if that was real or not. Right. Oh, for sure. So the sun. At, at this point, the suns believe we need to build for the future now. So we actually are going to be drafting De'Aaron Fox. We're taking Fox at number four. Um and get us a slew of point guards, and we'll see where we go from there. Does this mean that Eric Bledsoe is on the market? This does mean... Bledsoe and or Knight, not that we know that Knight will be getting playing time and blocking (laughs) Fox in any manner. Right. This does mean we are open to uh, suggestions for Bledsoe. Okay, you heard that, uh, other teams out there. I'm looking at you, teams that need a point guard. Maybe the the Knicks, maybe the Mavs, maybe... Maybe the Utah Jazz. The Jazz would love some blood, so. I just love that Phoenix got another point guard from Kentucky. Oh, yeah. yeah. Yeah, That is funny. So just one thing to add on Phoenix, though. They are in a decent situation with a lot of value picks. I mean, they still are a little top-loaded, heavy-loaded with Chandler. you got a couple more years of Chandler and Bledsoe and Knight. But outside of that, there's some young talent there that we do we do like, and we're looking forward to, to developing a little bit more. And you guys have Miami picks coming up in from the, from the Dragic trade. Mm-hmm. Is that 2019, 2021? Yeah, I believe so. Those those could be extremely valuable. Just to throw this out there about Fox, there always is the question about the ability for him to sustain a mid range jumper or any type of any type of jump shot, really, which I think is definitely out there to be questioned. But he did shoot the free he did shoot free throws. He did really yep. well. I, I like Fox a lot. Um, he might not have the ceiling of Lonzo Ball, but I think his floor is a lot higher as well. Like a lot of people were comparing him to John Wall. I think that's an okay comparison just because of the speed, but um, maybe not necessarily perfect i also heard the conley comparison and i think that's a good comparison yeah. of kind of who mm-hmm. he could become you just hope that he doesn't end up being elfrey payton exactly. with his jump shot so that is i do like fear. i do feel like the defensive tenacity and competitiveness will be there no matter what and you can't really teach speed so that's why you take him at number four okay time for the number fifth number five pick now and we're going to go back to to our gm cole of the pacific division Big moment here for the Sacramento Kings. So like I said, it was I was looking forward to working with the Kings here a little bit. They have a fascinating situation. They have a lot of value contracts. They pretty much, I mean, they're going to be able to wave a follow, and they're going to almost have $60 million of cap space going into the offseason here. So it just becomes, a, it's a matter of opportunities for them at the moment. Unfortunately, with Phoenix taking Fox, that's who we were really targeting, trying to solidify our point guard position. Probably our second biggest need would be small forward. So sitting there um, at number five, we are going to be taking Jason Tatum. So just moving forward, I mean, we're trying to get in the right time frame. We did reach out to a couple teams trying to s- just dangle that, f- that fifth pick and, and also our subsequent 10 pick coming up. But at the end of the day, just nothing really worked with our timeline. We didn't want to. The biggest fear I have with the Kings is really just us going out and signing a few bad albatross contracts in the offseason. Why would you be scared of that? Yeah, I wonder why. Um, especially after last off season, we, we see why that needs to be careful, but we do like, we do like Tatum filling in. I talked to a few Kings fans about, about overall what they see in Tatum. And there's a lot of Rudy Gay comparisons coming back, which they don't really like, but he's, he's really very polished offensively. I mean, you take Rudy Gay with the fifth pick in the draft. Yeah. That's a good point. Average expected Mm -hmm. return. Yep. But what makes him different than Rudy Gay? Well, I think another comparison, um, is Harrison Barnes actually. Like the Harrison Barnes on the Mavs that he was this year. I mean, he's going to Sacramento where they're going to need him to score. Mm-hmm. And so from the beginning, he's going to kind of have that opportunity to be that go-to scorer. And I think his mid-range game, he kind of reminded me of Barnes. And I think that's sort of the the floor. And then as more of a ceiling, like I liked I liked the Paul Pierce comparison. I mean, I don't know that he'd get yeah. there, but I, mm-hmm. I, did, I thought mid-range, not a super athletic guy, but 
going to be a solid score in the NBA. When I look at Tatum, I don't the form on his jump shot. I don't see him ever becoming a lethal three point shooter. I do like the Harrison Barnes comparison in that yeah. regard, especially off the dribble. It's kind of a flatter shot, uh, more reliable from mid range. But what I like about him is I feel like he hasn't quite grown into his body yet. He has very broad shoulders. I think he'll have some position, positional versatility down the line, be able to play inside, outside. Hopefully as he bulks up, his quickness won't go away. He's not the quickest player to begin with. Yeah, that's true. But also just assessing the Kings roster right now, they have a lot of playing time to hand yeah. out. I'm thinking yeah. that's a possible rookie of the year destination especially the, a rookie that gets a lot of points will obviously get a lot of consideration I'm, yeah and there's gonna be really no one else challenging challenging him for that that playing time on the roster at the moment barring any like i said terrible off-season additions through pregnancy <laughs> true true okay now moving to the southeast division and the orlando magic coming off a uh, disappointing season firing your gm actually we have the new gm here trev wooler what are the magic going to do with the sixth pick this is this is really tough for me because the Magic, I feel like, have a lot of accumulation of talent, but they still don't have someone where they feel like it's their franchise cornerstone that can be the guy. And on, I thought and this this is this could be really controversial. I I wanted someone with a killer instinct that they could know moving forward, they could count on for scoring, and that they could build around. And and I am done with the Alfred Payton era. I'm I'm just I'm not I'm not I'm done with it. So uh, the Orlando Magic is selecting Malik Monk from the University of Kentucky. And there's going to be some people out there probably hating on me, but the the thing I think with Malik Monk is something that the Magic really don't have, and I, I see him developing his point guard skills. I see him being able to play with Fournier, Fournier better than Alfred Payton does. And I just think it brings shooting and some create-your-own-shots uh, that the Magic don't currently have right now. The other pick that was uh, considered a lot was Jonathan Isaac from Florida State, and I think he is going to be a phenomenal three and D player, and he's good. he could add a lot of uh, value to the Magic. But I, I think his ceiling is a very good three and D player, and I just don't think that's what the Magic need right now at the sixth pick. I think they need someone who can develop into an NBA offensive superstar, and that's Malik Monk. I think it's good that you are projecting Monk as a point guard. There are a lot that are viewing him as a shooting guard, and frankly it's going to be difficult for him to hold up at that position defensively. I think his hope at becoming a star is in developing the point guard skills. And yeah. It, it is important to note that many prospects coming out of Kentucky haven't necessarily flashed all of their skill set and their time in college. Um, funny mm-hmm. because Calip- Calipari is known as the best, I guess, coach for developing NBA prospects. But you look at Carl Anthony Towns or Devin Booker, for example, and it seems like they were kind of held back. So it, yeah, it'll be interesting to see if Monk can handle the pick and roll. I really like Malik Monk's fire. I like his NCAA tournament and I, I'm banking on him developing his point guard ability and be able to work with the other talent on the Orlando Magic roster. I had this weird idea for Orlando. Obviously, they weren't my team, but I kind of imagining who I really liked as a fit for them. I liked Lowry Markinen. Just I for some reason I just thought he and Aaron Gordon would be a really fun pairing as your front court because you'd have your shooter, and then Gordon would be able to make up for some of uh, Markinen's deficiencies on defense as well, and then kind of be your mm-hmm. be your pick and roll roller to the rim. But obviously, I feel like at six that'll be a little high to take him. So, did you consider trading down at all in the draft with Orlando? I actually considered trading up if Orlando too. I. I think Orlando, the, the, who I really wanted for Orlando was Jason Tatum or Josh Jackson. Those are the two, like, I wanted more than anything, but 
those are pretty solid picks, and they're kind of surefire picks. Um, I mean, the Sixers and the the Kings are know exactly what they're getting, so no one really wanted to to give that up. But I didn't honestly, I didn't really consider Lowry marketing, but and I didn't even really consider moving down either because I feel like the Magic still don't have that superstar talent that they need. All right. So you have the next pick also, the T-Wolves, who many expected to be better this season. What prospects are they considering? Are they are they going to go for Isaac? I know you liked him for the Magic. I don't know if that's the case for the T-Wolves, or what are you looking at? Yeah, so the Minnesota Timberwolves will be choosing Lowry Markkinen. Um, I just feel like the they need a, a stretch four on the team. I'm pretty confident in his mobility and uh, to, to be able to handle the, the defense of guarding fours in the NBA. He's not a shot blocker. He's not your stereotypical fit guy where Jonathan Isaac would be more like that who can switch all his positions and everything. I, I feel like that he's the offensive, the piece that is the missing puzzle. And when you look at the stretch, the stretch shooting that marketing can bring with Carl Anthony Towns, uh, uh, running pick and rolls and the shooting surrounding him with Zach Levine, I, I, um, and hopefully Andrew Wiggins. Anyways, I just, I just really like the fit of that in Minnesota as that stretch four. Yeah, I think, interestingly enough, Mar- Markkanen had the most, like, what I thought was the most drop potential in that top 10. I was a little worried just looking at the teams after Minnesota. It was just curious where we'd land. However, one thing on on um, Lowry that I wanted to talk about is that watching Arizona games, I always got the feeling that the NBA game suited him a lot better. Just overall spacing, his ability to to pick and pop. Um, and I And I've always seen him as a pretty strong rebounder. Which, which hopefully translates pretty well. I agree. He's a, he's very strong. You look at a lot of guys that have come over from Europe and they need to work on their bodies. Frank, I don't think he really does need to work on his body much more. And also, it's easy to look at a, a white European player and say, oh, they're a good shooter. But Lowry Markinen is a special shooter. And you look at what Ryan Anderson, the way that he was able to transform the Rockets this past season with his deep range, see Markinen being able to ideally do something similar in the NBA. Because he's very fluid on his shot. And I just kept envisioning the, the offensive talent and ability that they have with, with Levine, uh, Towns, and Marketing. I just think there's so many options that what you can do there. And there's talent. There's, there's post-up talent. There's driving talent. And then there's just so much shooting talent that Thibs will have, can really do anything he wants with his offense. Man, if I had the pick, I'm pretty sure I would have just taken Jonathan Isaac and gone with it. Um, I like marketing. You'll have a chance. You are the GM of the next two teams. (laughs) You're right. You're right. But man, I just, I love the fit of Jonathan Isaac in Minnesota. Just, I, I just see Towns playing the five and I don't, I don't know how marketing and Towns fit together defensively. I, I agree. I like the fit on offense. I think the comparison everybody says is Dirk, but I really think I, when I see him, I see Oker from who played for the jazz for a long time. Great shooter, good rebounder. I mean, people forget Oker averaged about 18 and 10 for a few years for the Jazz. He could have been better. He was noted for always taking shots with his foot on the, on the three. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, um, but I, and I think Oker would fit great in the NBA game today. Like, he'd be better today than he was when he played, just with how the game has changed. I just don't know if... I see Markinen ultimately as a center, just like I see Porzingis, just like I see Towns. And for that reason, I just love the fit of Isaac in Minnesota, because I think... He's going to be, with his size and length, with he, Towns, Andrew Wiggins, I mean, that's like a perfect front court for the modern NBA. All right, TS, you are now on the clock as the GM for the Knicks, so will you be taking Jonathan Isaac? 
Man, this is making things a lot more complicated. And honestly, um, we we need a point guard, and so we would very deeply think about point guard. But I like the talent of Jonathan Isaac more than I like the talent of Dennis Smith. I also think he'd be a Jonathan Isaac would be a great fit next to Chris Stapps Porzingis. And so, with the eighth pick with, for the New York Knicks, I am going to select Jonathan Isaac. Does anyone have any more thoughts about Jonathan Isaac that weren't expressed? No, I, in life? I mean I. He would have been a great fit on Minnesota too. I just, I think Lowry Marketing actually has more defensive potential than than people give him credit for, and I think he's. Well, I mean, Jonathan Isaac is he can really fit anywhere. Is the type of player he is because of the skills that he has. So any team would he can fit in anywhere. So I think it's a great pick. What NBA comparisons do you guys see for Isaac? He looks like an NBA athlete. He's long, shoots threes. This is only on one side of the ball, um, but as the Knicks are taking him, like just watch Kevin Durant play defense in the playoffs, and I think that's what you're hoping to get from Jonathan Isaac. I mean, he's got somewhat similar frame on offense. I mean, as long as he is hitting some three-pointers and can attack some closeouts off the dribble, um, he's going to be a great player even with just those skills, and I think he definitely has potential to be an even better offensive player than that as well. Any uh, any Richard Lewis love? That's a comparison I've heard a few Seriously? times. I don't really see Richard Lewis had a lot of versatility. He had a back to the basket game I, that I don't see Isaac developing. He was a little bit more fluid shooting turnarounds too. I see Isaac mostly as a face up player. When you, when I think of three and D, I don't know. That's a good question. When you think of the best three and D player or the stereotype, because we throw that out a lot, three and D, three and D. Who in the NBA, when you hear that, do you think is like the stereotypical three and D player? Robert Covington. Oh, yeah. I was going to say Rocco for me too. <laughs> so moving on to the number nine pick, which is owned by Dallas. TS, is your is your owner Mark Cuban pressuring you into making some win now moves, or what are you going to be doing with this pick? Yeah, I got an offer. Would that offer like to be described on the pod? Yes, it would. Yes, this is exciting. We have we have had no trades go through. The first eight picks have been done in order. What are we hearing for the number nine pick? Yeah, so Phoenix has reached out and has offered to trade Bledsoe for the ninth pick with Harris and Powell coming back. So in other words, what that would be, let me state it one more time. It'd be the ninth and Dwight Powell and Devin Harris for Eric Bledsoe. And Harris is included to uh, match salary. Yes. He's non-guaranteed next right. year. Exactly. Okay, is Dallas accepting that trade? Gosh, this is a hard decision just because um, we really we need a point guard. We've, we've known this. And Dennis Smith is still sitting there, who I'm not a huge fan of, but he is super athletic. He can shoot threes. He can drive. His passing isn't spectacular, but I would say sufficient. And as we've seen, um, Rick Carlisle is like a point guard magician. I mean, he can take Yogi Ferrell and suddenly he's looking like rookie of the year, albeit in an awful season for rookie <laughs> of the year. But um, so that, that is a really tough decision for Dallas here because you're looking at Bledsoe, who's on a value contract for the next two years, but then having to pay him after that. You've got Nerlens Noel, Noel's contract coming up this offseason. And ultimately, I think if you're Dallas, you just have to take the trade. You have Bledsoe, uh, Wes Matthews, Harrison mm-hmm. Barnes, Dirk, and Nerlens Noel. I think that's definitely a team that can contend in the playoffs. Bledsoe, uh, he was healthy all of last year. He's also got to sit out an extra 30 games for Phoenix the past couple of years just because they've been tanking. And um, I, I like the fit, so we will accept the trade. 
And it seems to fit a little bit better with the with Dallas's timeline. Yeah, for sure. I mean, Dennis it's, Smith. It's a move that'll make Dirk happy. Yeah, exactly. Yeah, we're just we're wondering if Dirk is willing to opt out of his twenty five million dollar contract this year, so we can add a little bit extra bench talent, and then um, hopefully we can pay him back through some investments in Mark Cuban's many assets outside of basketball. So some under the table moves by the Magic here to get some money to add some talent and start competing in the West again. And moving Dwight Powell in that trade, that's that's not nobody that you're moving there. He's important for the front court depth, so you'll have right. to address that in free agency somehow. Mm-hmm. So with the ninth pick, we know the Suns have already taken De'Aaron Fox. It's I'm assuming that they're not going to take Dennis Smith here. Harry Giles! Harry Giles! Giles. Um, oh, we probably will take him. I, I totally forgot about this. I was, I was like, oh yeah, we're going to do this trade. I was like, the ninth pick now. I guess we're going to take Dennis Smith. But. And so we're actually going to... Go for Ananobi at, at number nine. We're going to oh. take in the small, small four power forward out of Indiana. Oh, no. We really like that. Just the raw athleticism. He obviously is a little raw, um, but we do, I mean, we're, we're down there in Phoenix. We're going to be ready for, we're not going to be looking to really compete for a few years. We're just going to develop that. Um, we like the fit though with, now we're going to have Fox. We're going to have Booker. We're going to have Ananobi. I would consider this the first uh, pick that could be called a reach. Just, judging from common consensus right now. So the Suns are valuing positional fit more than, I mean, what consensus would tell you is best player available. But at this time last year, Ananobi was seen as a as a probable top 10, top 15 pick. Mm-hmm. He didn't start the season off as well as anticipated. But like you said, the raw, the raw ability is all there. It's easy to see him fitting into the modern game and, and making an impact. Does anybody have any more thoughts about OG, also the best name. Um, great, great the, name. I think uh, Ananobi is super raw, but honestly, in spite of that, um, I like him a lot. Just he's he's huge, he's strong, and he is so athletic. Some of his dunks are just out of this world. And um, if I remember correctly, I mean, he shot over forty percent from three this year at Indiana. Um, he's coming off an ACL tear, which is uh, is a concern, but players have pretty consistently come back and had their athleticism um, at least reach their previous levels. And I think it's a project, but if you're in Phoenix's position, you're not looking to win right now. And he's going to be so versatile that you could plug him in and fit him in a lot of different ways at a small ball four next to Chris or Bender um, as a three. I think he could even yeah. guard some twos and switch on to ones just because he's so athletic. So um, it's a, maybe a little bit of a reach, but uh, I like the pick a lot. The versatility is really good, and one of the things that we really value a lot um, with that roster that we're trying to put together. Uh, the shooting, I'm just just to put it out there, the shooting is a little bit of a worry. He didn't chuck up almost three threes at Indiana last year in the 25 minutes he played, um, and the percentage was a little low, but it's all right. Oh, was it two years ago that he was shooting 40%? Two years ago, he did shoot pretty well. Okay, I'm a gotcha. nerd. Okay, we'll now move on to the number 10th pick with Sacramento. They have already picked Jason Tatum with the fifth pick. We'll go back to Cole here. You guys have a slew of big men prospects already. I'd imagine you're looking to upgrade the backcourt. Yeah, so this also seems to be working out perfectly the way that uh, the Kings want it. Um, our number one pick would have been to get Fox at five. Access However, um, once again, taking Tatum at five, we're fine with that. Hoping that one of these, one of the two between Frank and Dennis Smith would fall. So we're sitting here and we're actually, with that pick, we will be, definitely be taking Dennis Smith Jr. Once again, we're in, a, we're in a thriving situation where we can allow these guys to develop a little bit. We're not in any need to really rush them. Um, so him and Tatum will have plenty of minutes. We really have no point guard on the roster. 
And uh, we like the idea of just, you know, throwing out those young guys and letting them run. How do you feel about the Steve Francis NBA comparison? I have a little bit of a problem with it, but I'll let you go. Interesting. Yeah, I actually want to hear why. I, it's it's not that bad to me. I do. I think the the playmaking and that ability is a little bit undervalued. Actually, is underrated at the moment. I think he'll be just fine running. You know, out of all those, out of all the sets that, that the Kings will run with Jaeger. Um, I don't know what 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 things are you worried about? Yeah, no, I don't think the passing is a concern. His assist percentage was really high, especially yeah. concerning the. I mean, NC State's offense was really bogged down by Less both personnel and coaching <laughs> but i i like the term wiggle off the bounce oh, yeah. and sometimes when i watch smith the especially the vertical athleticism is there and the, the straight line speed i notice a lot of times on his on his drives he'll he'll do a, a hesitation move and then explode to the left he has a little left to right crossover that he does and the shooting off the bounce is okay but i kind of want to see a little bit more ball handling ability i mean steve francis was known for explosive crossovers and yeah that's definitely something that smith can develop but i think he's kind of gotten by on his athleticism to this point i'm not concerned at all with with the attitude and yeah and teammates thing i think he's he's someone who's had his sights on the nba for for a long time and i think he'll embrace the challenge and he's somebody that I think we'll play with a bigger chip on their shoulder after falling to the number 10th pick. Yeah, I love the value that you just got at number 10. Like, I, I think Dennis Smith could have easily been picked by New York or, like, Dallas. I think he could have been a fit even in Orlando, too. I considered him at number 6 for Orlando. So, in terms of just pure talent, when Sacramento just needs to get as much as many people in the gym that are as good as basketball as possible, I don't think he could have done any better than Tatum and Dennis Smith Jr., Mm-hmm. No, definitely. And, and another thing to throw out there is that he did have a 27% usage there at North NC State, and I I'm feel like nerd. he's not going to be asked to, to do quite as much. I mean, I understand there's a lot of a lot of ball to go around in Sacramento. I think we'll help him out a lot. Yeah, the, the Smith-Heeled-Tatum combo yeah. in Sacramento would be fun to watch. I'd watch that on League Pass. Super fun. Yeah. Okay, moving on. There's to, hope. Yes. There's hope in Sacramento. Yeah. <laughs> moving on Cole. to the number 11 pick, we have the Hornets, and we're going to go back to Cole. Uh, Cole, take a quick breath and then tell us what's going on in Charlotte. We like Frank Tilakina, um, actually almost for just his sheer size and length, almost as a defensive prospect too. It's just an, it's an it's an interesting idea as he's fallen down to us. However, we've sort of be fallen in love with Donovan Mitchell, so we're actually going to take Donovan Mitchell at twelve, hoping that, that what he can allow us to do is play at, a, at eleven. Oh, sorry, we're going to take Donovan Mitchell at eleven. For the, for the Hornets here. What we're hoping that that can accomplish is Kemba really needs some somebody to relieve him sort of off ball, being able to make shots, being able to play, make a little bit off the ball. And Donovan Mitchell has all of those things, the ability to, to defend, the ability to play off the ball, um, to rebound and to score. And so we really do like that fit next to him. He has a massive wingspan. He's long. I mean, the defensive potential is there. And so we do like just sticking him next to Kemba and hoping run that a little bit off ball. I love Donovan Mitchell. I think he reminds me a lot of Avery Bradley, actually. He actually reminds me a little bit of a mix of Avery Bradley and another Celtics guard, Marcus Smart. Yeah, I, I could see that as well. Yeah. Um, I, I just love his defensive potential. He's maybe a little undersized to mm-hmm. um, when, when you're considering him as a two playing next to Kemba, but he's so long. Um, I think like Avery Bradley, he could play, um, who plays next to Isaiah Thomas, he could play next to Kemba. Um, Philly, if he was falling, they were considering, uh, trying to trade up 
into the more like 13, 14, 15 range and add him because we thought he would have been a great fit. Great fit. Um, but he's, he's gone already, uh, because clearly other teams like him as much as we do. So Charlotte's, uh, cap situation or their team composition right now, they're pretty locked in when their main cogs for the next few years with Kemba Batum and mm-hmm. Cody Zeller. And Mitchell seems like someone who would be able to contribute hopefully sooner. He, and it is just also, when you look at their roster, really they, they do need sort of a backup, almost point guard too. And so hopefully we're fill, that's where Mitchell's going to fill that get gap. Yes, we are all sick of Ramon Sessions. <laughs> <laughs> Moving on to the 12th pick, the Detroit Pistons. Trev, what are the Pistons thinking? Man, the Pistons are in a really tough scenario because they, they, they have, what, the ninth or 10th highest payroll in the NBA and they didn't even make the playoffs. And they're kind of the Portland of the East where they have a lot of money spent on some players that probably shouldn't have been spent and do they resign KCP to the max and is Drummond really their franchise guy blah 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 blah. so I had some offers for Reggie Jackson uh, but they wanted to include Tobias Harris where I just felt like he's one of the few guys that we need to keep at Detroit access denied so um, I'm making this pick under the assumption that um Tobias, Her- I mean, sorry, that Reggie Jackson is not the long-term fix in in Detroit, that they are going to try to trade him away for a low-end first-round pick and start over because it just seems like it isn't working with him and Drummond. So the the Detroit Pistons are going to select Frank N, and I'm just going to say Frank N because I don't know how to pronounce his name. Natilly. Yeah, there you sure. go. Thank you, moderator. <laughs> That's what you're here for. Oh, this, yeah. this, is, this is kind of a risky pick. I don't know too much about Frank. What I do know is that he's improved his shooting and that he does seem like he can become a capable NBA three-point shooter and that he does fit in the uh, stereotypical NBA where he can switch and probably guard more than just ones. He could guard ones and twos. And maybe if he fills out into his frame, he can guard threes. And I just feel like the experiment with Reggie Action is not working and Stan Van Gundy has his guy that he can mold into the player that he wants. And... I like all the the talent and the possibilities that he brings to the table. With that in mind, I think Detroit is headed towards a rebuild. So this is kind of a long term pick. I thought he looked great at the at the FIBA U eighteen Euro Championships. Uh, he hit a lot of threes, and I think ultimately, if if he can hit three pointers, he's going to be able to guard ones and twos. As long as he's as long as he's hitting threes, his point guard skills are going to be able to develop. Um, so I, I think that's a great pick. I think he can play next to Reggie Jackson and uh, KCP at the same time. Um, and if Reggie Jackson isn't your answer long term, um, I think that'd be a that'd be a really great defensive backcourt with Frank and um, KCP long term there in Detroit. That's a good point. He 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 can he can still play with Reggie Jackson probably on the court. So. It doesn't have to be trade Reggie Jackson or bust. He, he has a lot of versatility. So yeah, everything I've seen from him. I mean, he seems very pass first. He seems very unselfish as a point guard. He's sort of got those instincts, and also is floating around a little bit that there's a rumor that he has almost a seven foot wingspan. And I, mean, I, I heard it was more. <laughs> well, hasn't I think been officially measured. Yeah, I actually see him more long term as a two. His weakness supposedly is operating in the pick and roll. I mean, he could play next to a more dominant uh, wing player as a point guard. But as a facilitator, I don't think that'll be his biggest strength. But but the floor is definitely there as just a, a defense mm-hmm. and shooting type of player no matter what. So so good pick there. Okay, now with the 13th pick, we're going to go back to Trev in Denver. You guys have made a lot of good picks lately. 
what is this one going to be? I I feel like the Nuggets, it, they're just so loaded. On they have so much depth in a lot of positions with Murray and Gary Harris, and and then they have Jokic, who's obviously their cornerstone, and they just traded for Mason Plumlee. And do they want another power forward and center? So I'm just going off my big board, who's the most talented guy left, and that's Zach Collins. So th- this pick is is one of those picks where it's like we're, we're just going to trust the board and, and who has the most potential. And I think Zach Collins is is that guy right now. How he fits with the Nuggets, I think he can come off the bench, and I think he could play with Jokic more than Plumlee, obviously, because Zach Collins shows a little more shooting range. And his, But that being said, I know it, it's kind of limited because the Nuggets, where their money's made, probably will be with Jokic at the five and kind of small ball at the four, and it, who knows if Zach Collins can play that or not. But he does add a skill set and more shooting that um, Mason Plumlee doesn't offer the team. So does this mean that the Nuggets might not be re-signing Mason Plumlee? I think I think maybe. I don't know. I, I'm i just not sold on Plumlee like being the contributor that they thought he would be when they traded for him. So this this could open up that possibility. So guys, Collins really sticks out. His advanced, his advanced stats are off the charts. Obviously, I think he posted a a PER of over 31 or something, albeit in limited minutes. Is this a case of playing against weaker competition? I know the WCC in Gonzaga doesn't like to hear that. And he also came off the bench. Or is this the guy, is this guy the real deal? I mean, he did show well in the NCAA tournament, obviously. Yeah, it's really, it's really tough to say. I think his showing in the tournament, though, was really positive. I mean, if nothing else, I mean, Karnowski couldn't stay on the floor, honestly, because Collins was just outplaying him almost on both sides of the floor easily. So it just, it just honestly becomes how versatile did he become and, and sort of build a, that almost offensive skill set. And also, I mean, he's got to be able to move his feet on defense, but he seems, I mean, I've seen him be able to finish with both hands. He seems like he can do that pretty well. It's just, it's just sort of one of those wild cards that you're not really sure exactly how he's going to fit in. Yeah, my worry is uh, with the way the NBA is going, I don't know that he's ever going to be a dominant center, and I don't see him, as I kind of already talked about with marketing next to Towns, I don't see him playing power forward next to another center, so ultimately I guess I kind of just see him as either a low-end starter or a versatile backup, which isn't terrible value at 13 if you consider like what the typical... 13th pick is I mean you are kind of expecting to get either a low-end starter or or a good backup and I think Collins could be that for Denver and uh, I think it's a good idea it would be a good idea for Denver to not resign Plumlee I know they want to make a playoff push I just think you're gonna have to overpay Plumlee just like every center gets overpaid in the NBA and then it doesn't end up being the best use of your money so I think that's a good pick in and let Plumlee walk yeah, I'm kind of thinking that. That's what I would do, let Plumlee walk and see what Collins does. And I I totally get that the NBA is small ball, and that's dominant, and you watch the Warriors play now, and they have Draymond playing the center and all that type of stuff. I do think, though, there are still some players like Markadon and Zach Collins who can be your stereotypical four that can extend their range and still have value in a starting lineup next to a center. For example, the Blazers, I felt like, were better this year with Noah Vonley starting at their four than Al Farouk Aminu, just because he added a little more height and depth and physicality in the starting lineup. So I, I still think that there's possibilities for Zach Collins to coexist with Nikolai Jokic and Lowry Marketing to coexist with Carl Anthony Towns. I, I don't think that's totally dead. Yeah, I guess I think offensively you're right, um, because if you can shoot, 
you can find space on the floor and and make an impact in that way. I'm just I'm just worried about playing those type of guys defensively together. You know, I mean, the league follows trends and maybe maybe it'll change. But I mean, Kawhi was playing four and five for the Spurs in the playoffs. Um, KD's playing the four and the five. Draymond, LeBron, and it just seems like could these guys play in that matchup? in a couple years and I just don't see it so Access that's why I think it it'd be hard for them to be able to play as a four next to another traditional five yeah I see what you're saying but then, then again Tristan Thompson and Kevin Love and and JaVale McGee are still making impact in like minutes in the NBA finals so and there's something to be said about the you need to have your death lineup in the NBA but a lot of times they don't play that throughout the regular season as extensively as they do in the, as during the regular uh during the playoffs so obviously you need to, to um, design a roster around that and have that ability, but I still see that the the, the four stereotypical four is playing with the five in the regular season a lot. That was kind of a tangent. Yeah, I feel like we've done it twice now. So <laughs> had that discussion between the the way the NBA is going. Yeah, and we could be having it a lot more with some upcoming things. Yeah. <laughs> Seriously? So now we're going to take the pod to South Beach with the number 14th pick. Uh, the Miami Heat. This is a team that I feel like could go lots of directions. They gained some cap flexibility now that they've been able to renounce Chris Bosh, but they also owe some future picks. And I mean, if you would have looked at this team in December, you would have thought that they'd be picking a lot higher than 14. Yep. But for better or for worse, uh, here they are after their historic run. So who are they looking at? We are the Heat need a power forward really bad. We're, we're sick of running Luke Babbitt lineups out there. Oh, yeah. <laughs> so, I mean, in this position, it's a little bit difficult. If if we would have had a few more suitors, we probably would have moved down a little bit farther Access in the denied. draft to just try to get out of this and maybe get, maybe get a young asset moving forward. At this point, we're just going to probably take our best our best player left on the board. We need needing a power forward. We're going to take John Collins actually out of Wake Forest. There seems a little bit of redundancy with no white sides. Um, this range isn't very good, though. That is our one b- biggest worry with him. He, he looked good in the mid-range, though, with some... I mean, Miami's gotten stuff out of players that mm-hmm. they haven't gotten out of anywhere else. Miami has, has been able to develop talent really well in recent years. Just looking at, like, James Johnson, uh, Tyler Johnson. Yeah, Tyler Johnson. If you have the name yeah. Johnson, Collins is kind of another common last name like that they could maybe <laughs> sure. get some talent out of. And another thing that's crazy about him is he's, like, historically young for a sophomore. Yeah. Like he's way, oh yeah he's way younger he, than a lot of freshmen right exactly um and he his numbers were ridiculous I think yeah. he had a PR of like thirty seven or thirty nine I'm a nerd like yeah both both of the cons tore it up in the advanced stats yeah so overall I mean we do like him we love him as a prospect we're just hoping to try to fit him in a little bit better within the roster okay moving on to the number fifteenth pick I'm sure this is a very anticipated pick for at least one of us we're making the Trailblazers first of three first round draft picks. Uh, I actually really, as a Blazer fan, I really don't like this pick because I just, and I really don't know what I'm going to do here because I was supposed to take OG and Anobi and he Access was gone denied. early and now I was supposed to take John Collins and he was gone early. So thanks guys. Access denied. Um, I'm just going to go with, because the Blazers uh, later on to be determined, we kind of have a trade in the works right now. So, um, Going on that trade, hoping that it's still going to stay in place, the Blazers are going to select Justin Jackson at the University of North Carolina. 
I, I plan, I think the Blazers will eventually have to shed some salary between Alan Crabb, Mo Harkless, Alfred Camino, and Evan Turner. One of those four, they're all three not going to stay for the length of their contracts. So I feel like Justin Jackson can be someone who can't do everything that those guys did, but he can probably replace um, a little bit of something, whichever one leaves. Um, I think he can turn out to be a solid defender in the NBA. I'm trusting that his improvement in the three-point shot we saw this year continues to the NBA range and that you will see that upward trajectory. And I think he has a chance to be a 3 and D guy and, and be someone who can uh, cut and get some tra- transitional fast breaks and hit the open jumper as well as being able to switch on defense. So this is this is kind of a, a, a depth pick for the Blazers here. Yeah, actually, I know his shot wasn't falling last year, but whenever I saw North Carolina play... I thought his shot looked really good. Like, I don't know if you remember uh, the Final Four last year. Uh, he didn't shoot super great. In the championship game, he did hit some threes. But I just was like, wow, I think this guy can really shoot. They're just not going in. And then this year they did. So uh, for the Blazers, who I think could definitely use some offense from that three spot, uh, that's that's not a bad pick. I agree with your assessment of... Portland's salary situation. Paul Allen's really going to be emptying his pockets in upcoming seasons. They have lots of players committed long-term. So it may appear that there's a glut right now, but space could could free up for for Jackson. And, and he's one of the more experienced players in the draft, should be able to contribute earlier on. Yeah, that was another reason I selected them. Some of the other people I considered right now, I just the Blazers are on kind of a shortened time frame. It's not the, the T-Wolves or the Kings where they can really build. Damian Lillard is already 27, so I mean their 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 window is now. Uh, out of out of everyone that's available, still, I feel like he could go on the Blazers right now and carve out a role and actually contribute. Okay, Trev, you have another pick now uh, for Chicago at number 16. Um, yeah, this is this is tough for me as well. This is like I said, the draft gets interesting where it's not as clear cut. So what I'm going to do, though, is I'm going to select Ike Anibogu from UCLA. Um, wait, 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 Trev, start over. It's EK we learned. Seriously? Oh, shoot. <laughs> EK Anibogu? Um, yep. Did I pronounce it right, moderator? Yep. Okay. Okay, that's good. That's good. I mean, the Bulls, he, he is, he's a big project, right? He has honestly really no offensive game except rim running and like lobs. And he has a very clear skill, which is protecting the rim in length. He actually at the combine, he didn't perform super well athletically. He's kind of more powerful than he is like bouncy. But I think he has a role in modern day NBA and the Bulls really don't have a modern NBA center. They have Robin Lopez who, who's, who has a, has a needed skill set in the NBA. But I think he is someone that can develop with the Bulls, and who knows what his offense will be like. Uh, really, he's just a rim runner right now, but it's kind of a flyer with the Bulls and see kind of what happens with him. Yeah, I actually like EK better than the other available center prospects at this spot. Um, I know a lot of people have him lower than a few of the of the other guys that are able there. Patton, Patton Allen. Yeah, uh, Jared Allen, exactly. Um, and the reason was is I just felt like his feel for the game, even though he was so raw, was a lot better than those guys. His motor was great, um, and he just seemed to be in the right spot to block shots, get rebounds. Honestly, I mean, at this spot, the Bulls, they're, they are just looking to maybe get somebody who can play for them in the future when Robin Lopez leaves. 
And I think he could be uh, Biombo with better hands, Bismack Biombo. I mean, similar player coming out, kind of really raw. He didn't play like seven minutes a game at UCLA, which isn't a lot. But in watching, uh, there was a game that I watched when uh, Thomas Welch was out for UCLA, and so he got a lot more minutes. And I thought he looked really, really good in this time. So I, I like. I don't think he's ever going to be more than a rim runner. I just think that's what he is. But in today's NBA, if you can defend the rim, uh, block shots, and your weapon in the pick and roll, I think that's a great asset. So. And he could slide into the slot, assuming the Bulls don't retain Cristiano Felicio, who might be demanding a bit more money than they're willing to pay. He could slide into that backup project center kind of role. Now Trev gets to continue the run on on Central Division teams. Yeah, I kind of have this this run right here. Back to back to back. So for my next pick, 17th in Milwaukee Bucks, um, this one's going to be a little easier for me, and so I'm going to select Luke Kennard from the University or from Duke University, just because I think he's such going to be such an elite NBA shooter, and his defensive weaknesses can be covered up by the 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 talent and the length, mainly the length that the Bucks have, and I just think he can find a role somewhere with Greek Freak and Brogdon, as long as he can just find some spots and he can play 15 minutes a game and get up some three pointers. He can be an asset that the Bucks currently don't have. Um, <laughs> that's not Canard Cole. No, I do. So I watched a handful of uh, Duke games this year, and Seriously? more than a handful. Cole's more a than fan. a handful. Yeah. Oh, dang it! I don't want everyone to know that. No, I think I think especially where you got him, that's definitely a value pick right there. I think he definitely is going to be able to come in. He's going to be able to shoot real well. I mean, he he showed a lot of problems, especially this year off the dribble, being able to pull up, hit shots more so than I had in any year previous. Uh, and I think also, I mean, I don't know. I don't think his numbers would have been terrible if you look at his playmaking numbers either. Dang, guys, I don't. I don't know how I feel about these central division picks. Yeah, it's hard. That's a. It's a tough spot, dude. But me, honestly, you can just take guys and yeah. honestly, at at twenty ish, mm-hmm. if you're getting a backup center, like that's not horrible. That's, yeah, you know what I mean. So that's I guess that'd be uh, eighteen. You're yeah, expecting to get thirteen career win shares, which thirteen is yeah. Like I'm nothing, a nerd, like garbage, but. Did you hear that the Lakers had Canard with a 39-inch vertical? Watch out! Yeah. I'm, gonna, I'm gonna get picks or vids or yeah, I, I, I that's what uh, I think I uh, it was like a, a Chad Ford tweet or post or something like that on ESPN. Uh, he said, some, "How much salt are we taking that with?" I still, I mean, if he has anywhere near that athleticism, like the. That's pretty dang impressive and a lot better than what people would expect. Yeah, actually, I'm. I feel like I'm a little lower on Canard, uh, especially he's been rising pretty quickly on draft boards. I think Draft Express has him at like number eleven right now. And at that position, I think you're you're hoping for starter upside, and I'm not sure if I see that with Canard. He's an older sophomore. I don't think he's actually that going to be that elite of a shooter, especially on the move. He shoots a, a kind of a line drive shot, and I think projecting that to three-point range, I'm not completely sold on that, and the defensive concerns are obviously there. But I, I think it, I picked number 17 from Milwaukee, especially a team that, let's see, they were 25th in three-point attempts last year. I think I think that's a good fit for them. So, Trev, are you ready to continue your run on the Central Division with the Indiana Pacers at number 18? Yeah. All right, go for it. All right, guys, this this is going to be a little jump here. This is an unexpected pick for the Indiana Pacers. I just think there's a sleeper in the draft that honestly could 
could have been a lottery talent. I think he's going to end up being one of the best players in the draft. So the Pacers are going to select Juwan Evans from Oklahoma State University. A couple reasons for this. I, first off, there's no win-now player, really, um, for the Pacers to select where it just says to Paul George, oh my gosh, we're trying to win now. At this point in the draft, there's you got to take some risk and there's going to be flaws in your players. But I don't know if signing Jeff Teague to a big contract this offseason is the best move. And I think Juwan Evans is... I just think he can be an NBA point guard. I, I trust his ability to learn how to run the pick and roll. I think he's going to attack the rim well. Um, he has one of the highest, he had one of the highest, uh, purrs in college basketball. I think he's going to be able to shoot. He already has proven he can shoot. Anyways, I just think that this is a good pick for the Pacers if they sign Paul George because I think he can learn pretty fast. And if not, I honestly think he can be a cornerstone for the future for the Indiana Pacers. How do you think Paul George would feel about just letting Jeff Teague walk? this offseason and having a rookie point guard. Yeah, are, are well, you already uh, resigned to the fact that he's not going to resign? I'm that- pretty confident that he's not going to resign. And if he is going to resign, I'm pretty confident that he knows that Jeff T isn't going to be the guy that is going to take him to the crown of the East, if that makes sense. Like, if, if Paul George does want to stay in Indiana, do you think he wants to spend $80 million on Jeff T? I just threw out a number. I don't know what he's going to get paid, but... I, I just might think be a Indiana conservative. Yeah. Okay. I I just uh I think Indiana's in a really tough situation and I think ch- chances are Paul George does leave. And I think Juwan Evans pick has the much most upside out of anyone else that we could probably take right now in terms of being like someone who can become a like maybe a franchise player if Paul George does The stat that everyone likes throwing around on Juwan Evans is that okay state why did that sound weird? Okay, State. Did that sound right? Seriously? Oklahoma State. The stat that everyone likes to throw out on Juwan Evans is that Oklahoma State led the nation in offensive rating. And who else do you recognize from that team? Like, no one. (laughs) He pretty much ran the show. And that's pretty telling as a a young point guard who, I'm not sure offhand what his usage rate was, but I'm sure it was sky high. Yeah, I think, I mean, I'm not so high on him, but I totally understand the, the draw and appeal. Um... Maybe it's just my collateral damage from I have just like random flashbacks of just Trey Burke and his inability to do a lot of things. I understand Juwan Evans has I think probably honestly a better control his, his handling and playmaking off the dribble has been better than Trey Burke's ever was. No, but just I think there's some things that, I mean as you even saw just in once again maybe a small sample size, but the impression I get from watching games, especially his tournament games, just like yeah, there were some amazing plays and yet. A, sometimes a total inability to finish at the rim, which I think in today's NBA just is important for a point guard. Your point guard to be able to stretch the floor and be able to get to the rim, to be able to to create that type of type of penetration. That's a good point. We'll go now to the number nineteenth pick, and Cole has uh, Cole has ownership of this pick for the Atlanta Hawks, Paul Millsap, up for free agency. Which yeah. direction do you go? Yeah, this is a really. They're also in a, just a tough situation. I think you only have. You almost have, I think it's fifty-seven, fifty-eight million locked up between Howard Bazemore and and uh, Schroeder in the next couple of years, and so that just makes it really tough to have any flex capability, flex flexibility with your cap. So at this situation, also, you it really seems difficult to re-sign a thirty-two-year-old Paul Millsap. What we do, what we're gonna do with Atlanta is we're actually gonna draft T.J. Leaf as a power forward to be able to give us a little bit of a little bit of spacing. They should be able to. The idea is that uh, you can run a little pick and roll around him. You got Howard. You have him on the wing. 
there should be some spacing there that he can he can create. Like, like we, yeah. I honestly like a lot of his uh of his of his intangibles and the ability the things he brings to the court. He's a smart player once again. Thoughts on TJ Leaf? I think he's honestly really advanced offensively. I think he everyone just described him as a three point shooter, and that's about it. But if you watch him play, uh, he's he's pretty good with his back to the basket. He's got a good little jump hook, not bad from like a, a baseline little pull-up jumper that he has. So I think he's really advanced offensively. And, and his athletic testing, uh, it was on par, honestly, with guys like Yvonne Rabb from Cal and people that are considered athletes. So I think, honestly, a pretty decent pick. I could see his a good fit next to Dwight Howard. Yeah. Um, and But it's hard to know how he will end up defensively moving his feet, if he'll be able to guard anyone on the perimeter. Yeah, we'll see how it how it works out. Yeah, and that was the one thing I also want to point out that he really did excel in a lot of those athletic tests, especially the combine things like that. And those are things that I think I think it's a little bit dinged for being you know a little bit slower, not being able to move his feet very well. And from everything I've seen, the mobility is pretty good. So no, he's got pretty springs. Well. Yeah, definitely got springs. And I mean, the guy shot almost forty six percent. Well, yeah, I think he shot forty six percent from three. Oh, that's another one where you talk about going to, we talked about how Lonzo benefited from playing yep. with talented players at UCLA. TJ Leaf was definitely utilized. His skill set was utilized correctly and helped playing with Lonzo, obviously. Okay, now we have Portland's second of three first-round picks, the number 20 pick, which this oh, pick is from, from a John Luer trade yeah, in 2013 right. with, the Cavs, mm-hmm. with the Cavs and the Bucks, I think yeah. it was. I'll, I can check on that, but it, yeah, yeah it's, it's all the way from back in 2013. So what are the Blazers going to do here? The Blazers are, like I said before, they're in an interesting time frame where Dame and CJ are, are older, and it's win now. And so Neil Olshay has been very adamant that he wants to acquire players kind of on their timeline. And what's difficult for Portland is everyone says, well, you need to shed salary, you need to shed salary, which is true. But we can't just shed salary for no reason because we have proven that we can't attract free agents very well at all we usually strike out on free agents um that we're trying to acquire so we end up overpaying for ones like evan turner so really the only ways portland can acquire talent is through the draft or through trading and so at this point in the draft where there's not a lot of surefire bets i am going the route of trying to acquire someone who can fit portland's need who's on the timeline of damian lillard and cj mccollum so the Blazers are trading the 20th pick, Ed Davis, Festus Azili, in a 2019 second rounder from the Lakers to the Indiana Pacers for Thaddeus Young. Oh. I think, I think Thaddeus Young, I mean, he's kind of an, he's more of an expensive contract, but I think he's, he's 28. He's not, he still has a few years left in his prime. He has he kind two of brings more years that, after this year. On his contract, correct? Yeah. yeah. He's through 2018 or Yeah. He brings that. He brings the shooting ability. Um, he can extend of the three point range. I like his fit with Damon CJ. I think he can reve- uh, relieve a little more pressure off of them with his shooting than um, and his offensive ability than Noah Vonleh or Alfred Camino did starting at the four. But anyways, that's kind of my justif- justification behind the pick. I mean, behind the trade. Uh, the other trade offer that we had lined up was with the Jazz. Uh, the Jazz wanted Alfred Aminu. And then we were going to throw in Azili in there for contract as well for the pick. But 
I felt like in the end, Aminu was still too important to modern day NBA, where he's still he's on a cheaper contract, and we needed to keep him for his ability. And I just I felt more comfortable parting with Ed Davis. Access denied. Also, I liked Thaddeus Young's fit offensively better with Terry Stott's system than I did Derek Favors when it came down to it. So Pacers here. I actually took over the Pacers because Trev also has control of them and he obviously can't make trades with himself. And judging especially from the first round selection made of Juwan Evans, I kind of get the feel that they're moving forward, maybe won't re-sign Jeff Teague, maybe don't feel like they'll be able to retain Paul George. So I feel more comfortable with with losing Thaddeus Young. I feel like this kind of cements us as uh, not being able to keep Paul George after this season. We are going to be releasing Azili, obviously, and we feel like last year we traded uh, what ended up being the 22nd pick for Thaddeus Young. So, I mean, getting the 20th pick in return this year is, is I guess, a win in that sense. And the 2019 pick is also, it's actually whatever is the best between the Lakers and the T-Wolves pick. We anticipate it'll probably be the Lakers. You never really know with free uh with free agency it would be kind of ironic if paul george helped the lakers make that pick uh not not good for us but anyway it's a second round pick it doesn't matter that much but that was the reasoning for the pacers here so i haven't had a ton of time to look at this uh but with the 20th pick the pacers are going to select shimmy ojale from Southern Miss. We like his versatility as both a small forward and a power forward. This offseason, we're going to be shopping Paul George pretty aggressively, particularly to the Lakers, trying to get whatever we can for him. And there's going to be a lot of minutes opened up at the wing. Also, CJ Miles might be commanding more money in free agency than we'd like to spend. We feel like Shami will be able to contribute at least on the defensive and i mean the guy is a tank and he also shoots it pretty he has a pretty fluid stroke from the outside he's a little older um maybe the upside isn't going to be there but we feel like we're at least going to get a solid rotational player and he'll be able to play next to miles turner again we're not quite sure if he projects more as a as a small forward or a power forward full-time but the tools are there and he's improved quite a bit so he might be more of a late bloomer and I, I mean, I've seen everything. He's, he's able to pull anything out of the bag, really. I mean, he can handle the ball. I've seen him, like, dribble, pull up, shoot. I mean, he can do really anything he needs to at his size. It's pretty unique. And, and along with that, some of the, I mean, he is just, all of his numbers are off the chart, too. I mean, athletically, he's just unique for his size. How does he compare to Jay Crowder? Is he more athletic than Crowder, you think? Yeah, I think he's more athletic than Crowder. I mean, it's not a, it's not even just the the straight vertical leap. I mean, his speed is also something that is really impressive. Yeah, I kind of honestly see him like a lot like Justice Winslow as well. Yeah. I know Justice Winslow shot decent at Duke, but um, I think maybe his shot is a little more real than Justice's was coming out of college. So. All right, so we're going to go back to Trev now with the 21st pick and the Oklahoma City Thunder. So with the 21st pick, the Oklahoma City Thunder are going to be selecting Derek White from Colorado. Oh. Um, yeah, kind of a out-of-nowhere pick, kind of a sleeper. He's older, but he's improved a lot. I feel like he has um, experience that can help OKC right now, who is in win-now win mode with uh, Russell Westbrook. And and they have a less than, less than ideal backup point guard situation, too. Yeah, so. they, they just they need someone else who can... Re- who can come in and spell Westbrook and and he he does a little bit of everything. So I just I think OKC honestly could 
use any type of skill set on the wing to complement Westbrook. So we're going to give him a flyer. I'm going to make a real quick observation, guys. A lot of these picks that are going a little higher than anticipated are are more skilled players and a lot of backcourt players. A lot of these frontcourt players seem to be dropping, uh, at least from NBADraft.net and Draft Express are saying. So that's an interesting trend in the draft that I'm seeing so far. But any other thoughts on Derek White? I, I think he, I mean, he's a little bit older, as said, as a, a junior college transfer, but um, I think he's a good ball handler. He's shown an ability to hit the three-point jumper. He's got good size. And honestly, if OKC could get Russ some minutes of rest, uh, that would probably help them out a lot next year rather than uh, have Samaj Christian, his whose only highlight was hitting a three-pointer to let Russell Westbrook set the triple-double record. Other than that, uh, he didn't do anything for them this year. So, I mean, a trade-away campaign, I, I really think that's a good pick for OKC to get some backup point. Okay, TS, you're now up with the Brooklyn Nets. You said you were really excited about controlling them. So what do you have in the works for 22? So I am excited about Brooklyn. And maybe some people thought that was because they wanted to trade up in the draft. But honestly, Brooklyn's just looking for lottery tickets. They are trying to get talent in any way they can. Because this year they they would have had the number one pick. But that went to Boston due to the trade for Kevin Garnett and Paul Pierce. Um, and then next year again, they, so this year was a pick swap next year. They don't have their pick again. So it's still going to be another two years before they even have an opportunity to draft, take a high draft pick. Uh, some people have been kind of critical of Brooklyn's decision to wave Joe Johnson and stretch Darren Williams. And if they had tried to be competitive and stop the, their draft picks, basically from being awful so that the Celtics would get them. Um, that could have been another route to go, but considering they've done that, they traded away Thaddeus Young for a pick. I think they just need to not worry about um, where their draft pick is going to be next year and the Celtics getting another great pick. It's already too late for that. And just acquire all the assets they can and try to hit home runs at this point since it's still going to be three, four, five years before they're really going to be competitive. And, and so and this trade is coming from the uh, Bogdanovich deal. Yeah, so, this year. so that was just a half a season rental. So that that's looking good for them. Yeah, exactly. And so at 22, um, I the the Brooklyn Nets are going to swing for a home run, and they're going to take Harry Giles out of Duke. Um, oh. So yeah, I don't really know what to say about this because I don't think any of us really know. Yeah, because you don't know what he's going to be, and that's what it is. It's a gamble. He was just a year ago was rated number one by ESPN as the top prospect coming out of high school. He's had two ACLs. That, uh, surgeries one in each knee his athleticism didn't look great at duke no. he averaged like four points and four rebounds a game not even so it's not like you're drafting him because of his performance in college you're just trying to hit a home run for the brooklyn nets and if it doesn't work out it doesn't work out you're still going to be bad for a couple more years so we're just trying to hit a home run here i don't i think that's a good pick i think it's a good way to look at it too just trying to hit a home run um giles definitely has yeah, give us the Duke perspective. Well, the Duke perspective, I don't think is that good. But just just watching him, I mean, overall, he has what's needed. It's just, I think there's a lot of concerns. I mean, I think part of it, he looked terrible at Duke. I mean, it's, it's tough to be conditioned on a bum knee. Um, I think as part of it, I mean, he didn't play any minutes. And even when he was on the floor, I mean, he looked way better than Bolden ever did. Um, but it was just usually short stands. And there's a lot to be, there is concern there. But I do like the pick. I think over, overall, I mean, any everything before any, any of the knee problems, Great finisher at the rim. 
he, he was just very solid. I, I've even heard Derek, Derek Favors comparisons, um, if he can bulk up on that size. Yeah, the comparisons in high school were more KG, but yeah. I we can't expect him to be no. that mobile after the two surgeries. And the Nets were rewarded after taking an injury risk last year with, with Karis LeVert. <laughs> so they could, yeah, they could go back to well, back to the well here. So TS, you're you're up again with the Raptors at 23. So yeah, the Raptors. If you look at their uh, payroll for next year, they have 79 million dollars already tied up. The cap's projected to be uh, between 102 and 104 million. So that would give them about 25 million in space to work with. I'm but they nerd. have Serge Ibaka, Kyle Lowry, Patrick Patterson, and PJ Tucker all as free agents. And uh, Lowry by himself, if he took a major discount, he's probably looking at $25 million. And I'm, that's like a major discount. There's been talk that Philadelphia is going to offer him the full max, which would be about $35 million. Um, Ibaka, I can't imagine him making less than 20 as well. Um, and then if they, they have bird rights on all these players, so they could bring back Patterson and Tucker. It's just going to be adding up to a ridiculous payroll. Just with Ibaka and Lowry, they're already going to be at the tax. Um, what our thought here for Toronto was is we want to get off some salary. So we talked to, again, the Brooklyn Nets. And I I was the GM of both of those teams, so Dan actually took over Toronto for me. Um, yeah. And we are going to move Damari Carroll into the Nets cap space in exchange for uh, Joe Harris. He just has a non-guaranteed contract for next year and the number 22 pick. Yeah, so I I approve this trade from the Nets side, and I'm seeing how it's beneficial for both sides. I mean, obviously, the Nets aren't going to be a free agent destination. They don't need to be that concerned about cap space, uh, and they they do have the space to absorb Carroll's contract for the next couple seasons. We see it as a low-risk move, but I also see that the Raptors, Carroll hasn't really proven himself to be an asset, especially in the playoffs, and especially not to guard LeBron. He's replaceable at this point, so getting off of him and being able to retain both Patterson and Tucker is more valuable than the 22nd pick for the Raptors. Yeah, and I was just kind of looking at historical precedents for a salary dump trade, and if you remember the Cavs dumped Bears out to the Blazers last year for four, it was $14 million in salary, and they took got the number 26 pick that they have this year. Um, in 2014, the Clippers traded $8.4 million of Jared Dudley's salary to the Bucks for what became the 23 pick. That was an year. awful trade. It it was a not great trade by Rock Divers at that point. <laughs> <laughs> and um, and also, you can look at, in 2014, the Nuggets traded a top 18 protected pick with JaVale McGee to get off his 23 and a quarter million dollars. Um, and so those are all sort of in the, if you're looking at them in today's salary cap it'd be between like 15 for the Dudley contract 19 for the Verigel and like 38 million for McGee's contract which is a lot and so we're somewhere in between that range but it sounds like taking 30 million dollars of Damari Carroll over the next two years is about equal to that somewhere in that value so we felt like it was a fair trade so are you going to make the pick now for Brooklyn? Yeah, I'm going to do that. And again, just like same reasoning that we talked for taking Harry Giles at this point, we're going to take uh, Terrence Ferguson. Ooh. It's kind of a high-risk pick again. He, instead of going to 
playing college, uh, he went to Australia and played for the Adelaide 36ers. He if you he kind of made his name at the Nike Hoop Summit. Uh, was that last year? When was well, not yeah. this year, but the one the year before. And he hit like seven three pointers. Um, his yeah, shot he, looks great. Trev, I'm gonna need your expertise here as our uh, Portland Trailblazers super fan. There's this type of athlete, this skinny one legged jumper with a solid stroke from three. He kind of reminds me of Rudy Fernandez. Seriously, oh, from the past. But like TS, like you said, he's a. This is kind of a. Shot. I would, I'm not going to say shot in the dark, but he, it's a swing he had, for the fences, he had honestly. absolutely no production. We have nothing to go off of besides the raw skills that are there. Okay, moving on to number 24, the Utah Jazz. Cole, what are the Jazz doing there? Okay, so we're in a good position right here. We have tried to move this pick several times to Arville. We haven't been able to, unfortunately. Um, however, though, we still have some, some good options. So we actually have fallen in love with... Another um, Frenchman, actually, Matthias Lasort. We're going to take him actually with the 24th pick. So we really love what he can add to the team. What he is, he's 6'9", he's, he's a little bit undersized for power forward, but however, what he, what we feel he can bring is he pretty much is Tristan Thompson. Um, okay. He's pretty much Tristan Thompson. He has a motor that's crazy. He's super athletic. He defends really well. He moves his feet. And we just, we just love the idea of working with him. At, at this point, also just to, just to put it out there, we do fully believe we can bring back Gordon Hayward. If if we were even questionable at that, we would be moving both these picks to try to bring in some some immediate talent. Um, at this point, we feel pretty confident in, in his in him and Quinn's relationship and the and his relationship with the front office and their ability to bring him back. So, um, but we do love him. We, I mean, just everything we've seen from him defensively, especially like he's just got a motor. The guy can do do it all on that end. I, even if you, another thing to add to that, I mean, he is in he he's playing over in France right now in that French league, and he has per forty minutes. I mean, the guy has over two two blocks a game. He's he's almost at two steals a game. He's very active. Out of all the international prospects, Lasort seems to me to be one of the most NBA ready. Markinen would be the exception to that, but. He's he has the body and assuming he can adjust to to NBA defensive coverages, I think he'll be able to contribute right away. Mm-hmm. So yeah, yeah. I mean, it's hard to argue with uh, 18 points, 13 rebounds, and two blocks. I know he's maybe a little bit undersized, but if you can if you can get the rebounds out of him, like a Tristan Thompson, I I think that's a good pick for the Jazz, who are adding someone who could play. Uh, Next to Rudy Gobert, I, I guess you're not sure what is going right. to happen with Derek Favors at this mm-hmm. point, but or you know just be a fourth big at least off your bench yep. at this point. So, and really, I mean, if if you watched any Jazz games last year, you realize really once we get once we got past Derek Favors, it, the talent fell off pretty quickly. Um, I mean, even bring even bring even bringing in Boris Diaw and Trey Lyles at that four position just wasn't really cutting it in most situations. Uh, especially on the offense, on the defensive end, excuse me. Now with the 25th pick, we're going to go back to Orlando. They're making their second selection of the first round. You guys, oh yeah, you guys took took a shot with Malik Monk with the sixth pick. This pick comes from the Serge Ibaka deal. Trev, who are you guys looking at at number 25? There's no one that really pops out to the Magic right now, so we're going to take a complete flyer off none other than Jonathan Jean. Seriously? From France. Trev, yeah. he he got diagnosed with Marfan syndrome, <laughs> so he's uh, he what? He, he has a condition. He's not going to play basketball anymore. <laughs> Are you kidding me? No, dude, it happened this week. Okay, or Magic is just going big by their big board right here on the highest ranked player who hasn't been taken yet, and that's Jared Allen. 
from Texas. He his wingspan is incredible, um, and he had some solid athletic um, testing. Actually, his wingspan might be actually pretty close to what Janine Jonathan Janine's was, only an inch off. His wingspan is seven five, so he projects as. I know they already have Big Mac Biumbo. Um, I feel like he's overpaid. And anyway, sure. this is just kind of the 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 next guy on the list who who really dropped. He he probably has a lot of talent that could be more than the twenty fifth pick, but because of the skill players taken above him, the Magic are, are taking a flyer on him. Yeah, I at this point in the draft, that's a pretty good pick considering a lot of people had him projected all the way. I think I've seen all the way up to like thirteen, fourteen um, as a backup yeah. in either Denver or Miami. One thing that was imp- I was impressed by in watching him is he's a pretty good passer, to, like kicking out to perimeters, almost like touch passes like you see in the in the NBA today. Uh, he's also pretty good in transition. My biggest worry about him is his motor. Like sometimes he didn't really seem to crash the boards hard, and that's yeah. Honestly, that'd be my biggest concern is is his ability to have a high motor and play hard in the NBA today. So another thing about Jared Allen, his uh, his shot blocking numbers aren't that great. Having a seven six wing, wingspan is great. I wonder if the instincts are there on defense, and also he shows really good touch around the rim, but his athleticism around the rim doesn't seem really natural. He's not a he's not a good second leaper. He doesn't seem very light on his feet. But I think the skills are there. He does have advanced skills, and a seven six wingspan is hard to turn down. So Trev, is he going to be able to get any playing time for Orlando behind Vucevic and Biombo, or I guess? He's more he's more of a project anyway, and those guys aren't going to be on the team forever. Yeah, I I don't I don't see Bismack and Vucevic both being there long term. Like, so I think this is a project pick. Right. All right. Let's move on to the real fireworks here, and that's the Trailblazers' last pick of the first round, number twenty six. Are they traded their last one? Are they keeping this one? No, we're also trading this purely for a salary standpoint. Um, we're trading twenty six pick to the Brooklyn Nets. For, and we're also trading um, Myers Leonard uh, to get off that salary, yeah. off our cap space, and um, and, and also the 2021 Miami second rounder, right? Yeah, we're also getting that, even though I'm not really sure that's needed to make it fair. But we're just going to throw it in there because we need to get the salary off. So yeah, we just wanted we, we just wanted an extra second rounder in this trade because uh, Myers Leonard contract is three years instead of two, like the Damari Carroll one. Um, so we wanted a little extra asset in there as well. And we think Miami, depending on how their future goes, 2021, I mean, that could be a a high pick. It could be a terrible pick. So again, just trying to add some assets for the future. So if I'm looking at Portland's future pick situation, they will not be making a second round selection until 2021, their own second, second round pick. Apparently. All right. So explain more of the reasoning of this trade, uh, from Brooklyn and Portland's perspective. Uh, I mean, honestly, Myers is a complete dumpster fire as a player. Um, <laughs> Whoa! He, take it easy. He he has no natural instincts and ability when he gets the ball in the post. It's been four years. He still doesn't know what to do when he gets it in the post. He doesn't have any rim protection ability, and his supposed skill as a shooter, he's just so streaky. So, I mean, Portland, it's, we're with him on there, and his salary cap is just so large. Uh, we're going to go in the luxury tax. And it's just simply to 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 make sure to, so we don't go over in the tax too much. For Brooklyn, 
either this trade. I actually I think we could make this trade um before the uh Carol. Yeah, I think I think the uh we would we could make this trade under the twenty uh sixteen seventeen salary cap. And then the Damari Carroll trade we would actually make um after the new cap started because we get off uh some money that goes to like like I think we have five million uh for a buyout of Luis Scola still on the books for this year. Oh, yeah. Another thing that I noticed is we kind of made a list of potential players in that Brooklyn could acquire you know, as a salary dump and it is amazing how many centers are on that list i mean you've got myers leonard who we just traded for you got miles plumley in charlotte mozgov and for the lakers you've got biombo and vucevic in orlando you've got ash ashik in new orleans uh joakim noah for the knicks i mean farid's not a center but i could see denver wanting to move off his contract if they were trying to add some free agents so there's just a ton of bigs, and so it kind of makes sense why guys like uh, Justin Patton, Jared Allen, uh, Bam Adebayo are falling. I think uh, Brooklyn, it, at this point, again, we are just wanting to try to add some talent. And so the player that we are going to add, who we think has a pretty high upside, is pretty raw right now, is DJ Wilson from Michigan. Wilson is kind of what we're hoping to be your modern power forward. He can shoot threes. Um, he hopefully will be athletic enough to switch onto the perimeter, um, maybe block a few shots. Uh, he's, he is really raw. Like I watched, um, the Michigan UCLA game, uh, early in the year and it was early in the year granted, but he got worked by TJ Leaf. I mean, sure. he, didn't, he didn't even look like he belonged on the court with him. His measurables remind me a lot of Kyle Anderson on the Spurs and also the number one criticism of his is he might be a little slow footed. I, th- I think he projects as a power forward, though, and the shooting is obviously much better than slow-mos. So Nets again, right? Yeah, I think I've got another pick here at 27 Seriously? from Brooklyn. Uh, this is the pick that we got, again, in that swap with Boston. So this would have been Boston's pick. But at this point, we are going to take Frank Jackson from Duke. And, um, yes! I wanted that. Yeah, Frank, he was a top 15 <laughs> player last year uh, coming into college. He didn't see a lot of playing time because he was stuck behind Grayson Allen and Luke Kennard. A lot of people wanted him to be a pure point guard because Duke definitely needed that. But honestly, he is a scorer at this point in his career. I He's got a few flaws. Uh, his shot is actually, I think his release is a little bit slow. He's a really good athlete uh, off two feet. He won the McDonald's All-American dunk contest. He had, I think, a... Uh, 38 inch vertical at the combine so i mean he he's a great athlete but he's not super explosive off of one foot and so he's definitely got some flaws but i think he's got great defensive potential uh given time i think he can develop into uh have some point guard skills and really be a scoring guard uh my comparison for him this is kind of maybe a stretch because this is a hall of famer but uh, Chauncey Billups is kind of the comparison that I saw. Like this would be if he if he hit a ceiling because he's he's a strong guard. Um, he's a scorer first, but he's I think he can be a sufficient passer and can be a really good defender. So again, Brooklyn just swinging for the fences. Cole is our resident Duke expert. Do you have do you agree with everything that TS has said or anything additional to that? Yeah, I actually I think I agree for with every word for that TS. <laughs> yeah so from watching him i mean i i agree with what ts is saying with everything you said if it would have i also do want to point out he did forget about matt jones i want to believe him on the on the fences there um matt jones is the worst <laughs> 
but but really though, in the time and, and the and the position that he played there at Duke, I think he really excelled. I mean, you you really saw, and I mean, the kid has an ability to get to the rim that's pretty pretty unreal. If he wants to get there, he can get there, and he's athletic enough to finish. Is the foot injury a concern at all? You know, I'm sure Brooklyn in real life will be able to get his medicals and make a good decision based on that. But I'm just assuming he's going to come back and be okay on it with his foot. Um, I thought he would go back to Duke. I was way surprised that he decided to go early because I think he would score 20 points a game at Duke next year. Um, I don't know whether he just hated playing with Grayson Allen or um, just didn't really enjoy his time there and just was ready to go to the NBA or if he got a first-round promise. I'm not really sure, but... Um, I thought he would be a lottery pick if he stayed, and because people would see that man, this guy can score in the NBA. So this, I think it's because he hated Grayson Allen because he's the worst person on the planet. So that's just my point. So looking at uh, Brooklyn for next year, they have Brook Lopez, Jeremy Lin. Other than that, key cogs. I mean, they have Trevor Booker and Justin Hamilton coming back. They have a lot of non guarantees, but then they have. They're younger players. They have Levert, Hollis Jefferson, Whitehead. If the draft played out how it has in our mock draft with four first-rounders coming in, this is a team, I mean, they'd be awful. But lots of exciting pieces to see on this team. Another another good league pass one along with, if, if this draft went, uh, how it's gone, the Kings. That's that's another one that I'd like to see. I, I just wanted to say, um, as Brooklyn, I tried to move Brook Lopez. But there are not very many teams in the league that need a center at this point. And I think Brooklyn would want to like move him somewhere where he can compete, uh, at least make make the playoffs after just being awful for the past couple years. And there aren't very many options. We tried to move him to Charlotte for number 11 and take back Plumlee's contract, but that didn't happen. And then the other option would be just trade him to a terrible team, but they're not going to want to resign him, so I don't know why they would give up assets for that. So yeah, I think we'll probably just ride it out with Brooke, and then he'll just test the open market. And if he wants to come back and just play with our young guys, that's great. But if not, we'll just say, hey, thanks a lot, Brooke. We're grateful for you over the past few years, and he'll go come off the bench for a contender. Or- yeah. What a cordial greeting between the Nets and the Lopez. That's very... <laughs> Yeah, that's a tough spot. I also I forgot to mention that Damari Carroll and Myers Leonard would be on in this scenario. Lo- love to see Myers in a more featured role, of course. So, I was just going to say earlier about Myers. He kind of replicates Justin Hamilton's skill set. Um, but honestly, he might not be better than Justin Hamilton. <laughs> so, And Justin Hamilton is makes $3 million a year. So anyway, we'll, we also have a potential to stretch somebody down the road. But since we're not going to use much of our space the next two years, we wouldn't do that until that final season of Myers Leonard's contract. All right, now we're going to go to back to Los Angeles. The Lakers, that is. Cole, do you have a pick with the, uh, the 20th pick? The, yes, we do have the 28th pick. <laughs> we are ready. Is that what you said? I think so. Oh, I think it's about the twentieth pick. It threw me off. Oh yeah. Yeah. So in LA, we do have a pick in. So for twenty eighth pick, we are actually going to draft Creighton freshman, redshirt freshman Justin Patton. We are just looking to to refill the coffers. Um, we're clearly, I mean, we had a debacle with the Mozgov stuff, and we're trying to to find some value there that we can play up center. Once again, still still excited about that lineup, and we think Patton can can first off. You can stretch the floor a little bit. He actually shot five for eight from three at Creighton, which wow. isn't a small sample size. I thought it was eight size, for but... 14, but maybe I'm wrong. I'm a nerd. That would change the story completely. Yeah, still awful sample size yeah. and 57% <laughs> from the free throw line. So 
I'm not convinced. Right. But um, however, I mean, especially the second half of the season, he really came on. Um, I mean, in 40 minutes, he averaged almost 20 and 10, a couple blocks. For some reason, when I first started seeing his name pop up, I was imagining he wouldn't be very mobile or very athletic. I yeah. don't know if it's just the Creighton, Doug McDermott, Kyle Porter <laughs> thing. Uh, but the guy moved around really well, mm-hmm. found a way, especially in the pick and roll, he found a way to make himself available, ran the floor really, really hard, mm-hmm. which impressed yep. me. So I I think that's a really good value at the end, end of the first round. I mean, the Lakers yeah. got Zubach last year in the early second, and he's been good, so... And even Patton, I mean, one last thing on that, I've even seen a quick, pretty quick first step to at times with this explosion on the offensive end. So, Okay, now we have the 29th pick for the San Antonio Spurs, and TS is going to be making that pick. Are they going to be taking some no-name European? Um, but what are, what are they looking at here? So, man, the Spurs have a lot of options here at 29. They They do have the option for some of those European stash guys, but I'm not really going to gonna go there i wasn't in love with isaiah hartenstein or any of the other options available there and it was a hard decision because honestly i think the spurs could use quite a in spite of the fact that they won again 60 games this past season they have a lot of needs to compete with golden state um so i at this point i would have considered shemi ojale if he was available but he's not i thought about uh josh hart out of villanova i think he's kind of the malcolm brogdon of last year another competitor for that same malcolm brogdon ish spot is cinderius thornwell out of south carolina i like him so the spurs consider trying to trade back and get two picks early in the second round we also really like Wesley Windu from Kansas State. He's long athletic, and I think he could have some 3 and D potential. But at this point in the draft, uh, we are just going to take Jordan Bell out of Oregon, and we are going to... Hey, Trevor, are you there? Yeah, I'm still here. I was I was waiting for a reaction from Trevor. Sorry, I didn't hear what you said because I put it on mute because my mom came in to talk to me. Seriously? Oh, said? <laughs> oh okay, so um, we... Uh, you know, we considered a lot of those guys. We really like a window, but uh, ultimately we are going to take Jordan Bell out of Oregon to the Spurs. No! Oh, yeah. Well, I guess the Blazers don't even have a second-round pick anyway, but <laughs> I was tempted to take Jordan Bell because you guys swindled me in my second-round picks for five years. <laughs> oh, yeah. But I was tempted to take Jordan Bell at the 26th pick. I Honestly, though, he's, that is the perfect pick for San Antonio. I feel like he's the someone who can fit in automatically, and Greg Popovich will realize how to use his talent. But yeah. Jordan Bell stat for you. He had eight blocks in the NCAA tournament with one foul. How is that possible? Yeah, just uh, watching him compared to some of the bigs that were taken, like Jared Allen, Justin Patton, Bam Adebayo is still available. I think he is way better of a defender than those guys. I think he's the best defender in the draft, honestly. And I know offensively he could struggle, but honestly, if he can just learn to hit a corner three, which we don't know if he will be able to at this point, but give him chip, give Chip Inglewood some time to work with him. I mean, look at what he's done for a lot of the Spurs players, jump shots. If he can hit corner threes, I mean, he's like, I don't want to say Draymond Green because there is no Draymond Green and he won't be offensively with the ability to pass and dribble that he is. But defensively, like, I think that's his upside. And if you're looking to play small ball in a couple of years when I don't think LaMarcus resigns probably or resigns for cheap and can't play crunch time against the Warriors when they're still good, you got Kawhi at the four and Jordan Bell at the five. And I think. 
that gives you a chance to compete with them. So honestly, that's what we're looking to do is find someone that can play against the Warriors. Just don't count on him to box out on the free throw line. Yeah. I was waiting for you to say that. Yeah, I'm, I'm not worried about that. I think he learned his lesson. So He, he seems, better have. He seems like a, a good fit also um, with insurance in case Deadman leaves. And I, I don't think we'll be able to afford Deadman either. I think he's going to be out of our price range. So now the 30th pick we have not going to the Warriors, but rather to the Jazz. So earlier the Jazz took a shot at, at Lasort from France. And will you be making this 30th pick? or We actually will. I wish there was a little more fireworks at the moment, but we are actually going to take the 30th pick. So seeing as our roster is built with um, clearly Rudy Gobert being the linchpin of the defensive side, um, starting unit, anything like that. Our one weakness is if is uh, well, it was sort of our backup center at times. Bring in Withy, you know, who, who is actually just fine as a backup center. But if we could get a few more extra minutes, give Gobert a little more rest on the, on the stretch there. So we're actually gonna draft Bam out of Bio, and just you know, just plug him in there, and hopefully he can give us some just some strong defensive minutes there when Gobert steps out. You guys might be drafting two of the top three or four strongest dudes in the draft then. With Lasort, not a bio. Yep. Uh, if if Portland kept the twenty sixth pick, I was going to take Bam just because of his physical specimen. Yeah, he's yeah. crazy. He's a freak athlete. I mean, I think he he had like a thirty eight inch vertical as a six foot nine, six foot eleven in shoes guy. He's not a uh, Rudy Gobert. Like a lot of times, I feel like teams will try to have a backup that is just like their starter, so they can almost plug and play. He's a completely different player than that. But and and even with him being quite a different player, I think. He- his role, though, would actually be somewhat similar. Just that, just that setting heavy screens and being able to roll the basket hard. And I think in that sense, we he, we sort of does become a plug and play guy. And he was a guy who was viewed as a surefire top ten pick coming into the season. And yeah. He, if he develops the jump shot, I mean, the jump shot isn't broke at all. Then that could end up being a great value at the last pick of the first round. Hey Cole, I'll trade you that pick straight up right now, Bam, for uh, Alan Crabb. No. Access Bam denied. for Evan Turner. <laughs> Access denied. Trev, we need that salary space. Access denied. I just, I figured I'd have no, nothing to lose. Yeah, that's true. Brooklyn will maybe take one of those contracts for you next year for your first round pick. So we'll just keep just keep that in mind. That's what I'm thinking on. Okay, so now that all 30 picks are in, I just want to uh, throw some questions out there, kind of wrap up. Uh, if any of you have any strong thoughts, what was the most surprising pick somebody that you guys either drafted too high drafted too low what was something unexpected you saw for me um i think uh juan evans to indiana was pretty surprising i i like him all right um but i just expected him if he was going to sneak into the first round it'd be towards the end um rather than be drafted as indiana's future starting point guard potentially the most surprising thing for me is not necessarily a pick but i I just I'm going to reiterate again that Jared Allen dropped all the way to 25, and so did Bam. I just feel like those are great value picks for what you're getting down that low. Yeah, I've seen uh, Yvonne Rab and Tony Bradley also even going in the first round in some mocks, and neither of them even got hardly talked about. Um, nope. So yeah, I think that's definitely a surprise. And Orlando has a lot of centers, but getting Allen at 25, I mean, that's probably the that's best value, value of mm-hmm. the draft, for sure. The other surprising pick for me was um, OG uh, by Phoenix. I think he has a lot of potential, but I just 
coming off the ACL tear and um, don't really know exactly where his offensive game is headed, I thought maybe a Donovan Mitchell or a Dennis Smith would be more towards their alley. Not that it could be a bad pick, because I think he has the framework to turn into a great player, but I feel like uh, that was very surprising for me. I didn't see him going as high as 9 in a lot of mock drafts. Yeah, if Brooklyn could have traded Brooke Lopez for Charlotte's pick at 11, that's who we would have loved to get. Again, just one of those sort of lottery swings. And I feel like Phoenix with Marquise Chris and Dragon Bender, and that's kind of, if if one of them, if two of them work out, they're, they got to be pretty happy with where they're at. Higher up in the draft, I was surprised when Orlando went with Malik Monk. I was a little skeptical at first, but after the reasoning ex- expressed by the GM of the belief in his both his point guard abilities and also just their need for a shot maker, I'm a little bit more sold on it. I would have been expecting Jonathan Isaac or if they would have gone point guard, probably Dennis Smith in that spot. But that was an interesting pick from Orlando, I thought. And once again, I mean, I think this is a pretty clear fire one too, but I just, I do love the Isaac pick for New York. Um, just, I think he really is a plug and play player where he needs to go and he's going to be able to add value. So, so I, I have another question. I know this is a lot taken right now, but who do you guys see as potentially being all on the all rookie team this year? I had, as the picks were being made, I was pairing opportunity with, with ability. I thought Lonzo Ball, Jason Tatum, uh, Malik Monk, maybe. I don't know. There's a lot of guys that seem to be in good oppor- in good spots to get minutes and to have production in the rookie year. And keep in mind, the all rookie team is is positionless. So just throw throw out whoever that you see that could be in line to get a lot of minutes. Maybe that's pretty Dennis much what being on all rookie team is about. I think I think Dennis Smith Jr. is going to get so much run in Sacramento with Jason yeah. Tatum. I bet. I put. I'm very confident in him making it. Yeah, if they don't, if they don't keep Collison for sure. Yeah. Which I don't think they're going to resign him, so I think he's going to be playing a lot there. I think Fultz is so good, and he's going to be on a winning team. Like he's going to make the team regardless. Like I don't think he's going to put up the numbers that some of these other guys might, but I think he's going to be really efficient playing in that system. So I think Fultz will make it. I think Lonzo's going to make it on the Lakers. He's just going to have the ball in his hands a lot and put up numbers. Uh, I don't think Justin Jackson will make it for Philly. I think Ben Simmons will make it because it will be technically his rookie season next year. So that'd probably be three. And then I think you, you're going to see Jason Tatum and Malik Monk as well. I think Monk's going to score for Orlando, especially if they put the ball in his hands. So um, that's kind of what the all-rookie team is. And it's funny that, you know, half those guys are going to be point guards or more. But uh, sure. with the position list, I think that's what's going to happen. And De'Aaron Fox in Phoenix also with the Bledsoe yeah. trade is he'll he'll have a lot of minutes. For some reason, I'm I'm not seeing his jump being as I'm seeing more of maybe an Emmanuel Mudiay rookie season stat line. I'm, I don't think the, the efficiency will be there. I mean, not that that's the biggest the biggest factor in all rookie team, but yeah, I just don't think he'll score a lot, and he'll probably have quite a few turnovers right away. So, um, but I think he's going to develop into a very good player for Phoenix down the road. Okay, last question, and I'm going to give you guys a chance to throw throw some more shade on some players that you maybe don't like. What players do you see not getting a second contract? Either their team doesn't or their team declines their third or fourth year option, or they just don't get re-signed by anyone. That's a good question. Uh, lower first round. I my I really. Part of it is just the reason why I say Terrence Ferguson is just because it's just we don't really have any idea what he's going to be. 
But because he's such a big question mark, I could see him totally not being able to translate his game to the NBA. No, I'm I'm with you. I mean, I I mean, I I took him for Brooklyn, but you don't really know exactly how he's going to pan out. And then again with Brooklyn, uh, Harry Giles, if he has another injury or two. Um, yeah, you hate to predict injuries, but that is do. a big reason for not getting a second contract. It's, it's a big concern, and and if he gets injured again, I mean, it's going to be hard for him to maintain his athleticism and all the stuff that made him potentially a, a top three pick a couple years ago. So, I mean, those are risks, but again, Brooklyn's just looking for home runs. So, I, yeah. I felt that's why I felt comfortable even with both of those guys being huge. Risk. So, nobody's brave enough to predict anyone the lottery or even late teens man this is gonna sound bad but i think any the player in the late teens who could be out the most well juan evans could become really quick out if he there is a risk with a small point grid i see that happening but there's part of me who just kind of feels like justin jackson could just like just not figure it out in the nba like i hate saying that because the blazers picked him but i i don't know i could see him not being able to figure it out on defense and just being like a 30 percent three-point shooter no, it's it's definitely true with older players. I mean, if a guy is drafted at at 19 years old, by the time he comes up for a second contract, he'll still only be 23. You might think there's some untapped things, but in the case of Jackson, he'll come up almost 27. Yeah, if he hasn't proved to be a rotation player by then, there won't really be a, a reason to give him another contract. So I agree with that. I am surprised, though, just one caveat on that. I am surprised, though, how how easily shooting sticks in the league. And if he is can find even just remotely, you know, being low 30s on that three-point shot, I mean, he's going to stick somewhere. Thanks for making me feel better, Cole. Oh, yeah. All right, thanks, guys. This has been a lot of fun. Uh, probably a lot of... Uh, we're going to be hearing a lot about workouts and things in the next week and a half or so leading up to the draft. Some of these guys' projected slots could totally change by then, but it'll be fun to see how our predictions compared to what what actually happens yeah last year i mean there's Giorgios papianis mm-hmm. taking 13 and i don't think we even discussed him once in our mock draft <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> uh, i mean you know we had scow and deonta davis both going in the like top 10 or 12 and they both were almost out of the first round with yabusele went way higher than expected yeah. Yeah. and that's something we didn't really discuss either we didn't have any uh stashes no, no one took a shot on the Latvian big man who I don't know how to pronounce his name or uh, Kurix, yeah. the the small forward. Yeah, I just think there isn't as much foreign talent in the draft this year. I mean, other than Filipina, like there isn't anyone projected to go in the top ten and potentially in the lottery. So just not as much talent. Like I love Timothy Luwalu and uh, Furkan Korkmaz last year and. Uh, I drafted both of them with Denver, and then they both got drafted with Philly a little bit later than I took them, but I, I still like those picks. So, All right, thank you all for listening, those who have made it this far. This has been the Tayshawn's Muscles 2017 mock draft. Don't have a pulse for Fultz draft, and next year we'll be back for maybe Recycle for Michael, Porter that is, or Puka for Luka, Doncic. Who knows? Uh... But thanks for listening. 